in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Kyler Murray returned after missing three games and the Cardinals beat the Bears 33 to 22. The Cardinals are the only 10 win team in the NFL. They are 7 and 0 on the road this season, all 7 wins by double digits. Is this one easy? Is is the NFC easy to cl- uh, crown the best team right now? Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it, Tyler. If I had to pick an NFC team, I'm going with the Cardinals. Uh, let's see what happens next week. Um, <laughs> who, who right now is, in your mind, the MVP? Is he battling Brady at this point? Probably. Uh, Stafford and the Rams have fallen off quite a bit. Um, right. It's probably Kyler Murray at the moment. Brady is probably right there. I think... If one of those two teams like wins the NFC by a game or two, probably the quarterback of that team wins right. the MVP. Um, you know, if the Buccaneers, the, the Bucks are nine and three, they're only a game back of, of Arizona. But if the Bucks, you know, end up winning the NFC and Brady's having an incredible season, yeah, he probably wins MVP. And if, if the Cardinals go on to win it, then it's probably Kyler Murray. But those are, I would guess the top two. And then Aaron Rodgers is in that too. The Packers, they're also well, nine I was, three. So yeah. If the Packers He's the number three guy. Yeah, if the Packers win the NFC and Rodgers continues to be Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, not the Joe Rogan listener, then the Packers and Aaron Rodgers probably ends up winning the MVP. But that's probably a safe bet because you look at the AS is there even an AFC player that would be in contention? Well, let me see who's on my best team of Kansas City. Um <laughs> like Mahomes is having a bad year for I know. Patrick Mahomes. I know. He's he's having a bad year. Travis Kelsey keeps dropping balls. Who in the A? Gosh, I'm not sure who in the AFC. Like, I hate to say this out loud as a running backs don't matter type of guy, but would it be Jonathan Taylor? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it would be. No no one's happy about it. Like, like, listen, there's a chance. No, I don't think anybody in the AFC is actually going to win the MVP, but if we were crowning just best player or MVP of the AFC, like Josh Allen would be in position. If the bills go on a run, if they beat the Patriots tonight and go on a run and win their division and get the one seed, Josh Allen would certainly be in that conversation for best AFC player. I don't know if you can put Lamar Jackson there. Like he's had some big games, but he has had some well, horrific he's had some games. atrocious games also. And so like, I don't know that you can put him there. Mahomes, I guess if he's good the rest of the season, but he hasn't really been that good this year. Like there hasn't really been good to dominant quarterback play in the AFC. And it makes you look around and say, "Eh, Jonathan Taylor, like in all seriousness, Cooper cups, probably going to get more MVP votes than anybody from the AFC at this point. I was just going to say, and I don't think, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say chase just because every time he catches it, he's running, (laughs) he's racing down the field. Hey, he dropped it. He dropped what would have been a touchdown yesterday. Oh, he dropped one. He needed the white stripes back on the ball yeah. for that one game, and he needed them. So, yeah, NFC's uh seems a lot better at the top, which means some eleven win AFC team is going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. 
two AFC West results yesterday. Chargers beat the Bengals 41 to 22. Cincinnati had four turnovers in that game. Both those teams are seven and five and Kansas city beat Denver. The chiefs offense struggled, uh, only put up 22 points. And one of those, a touchdown was a defensive pick six, but Kansas city's defense was very good against uh, Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos. So it looks as though, and again, there's still not a big separation gap between Kansas city and the chargers and the Raiders and the Broncos only a game there, but it looks as though Kansas city's one and the chargers are two. Like you f- we feel comfortable saying that now, as we come down to the final few games. Yeah. After watching the Raiders yesterday and, and both Raiders and Denver, um, I, I feel comfortable saying Kansas city and the chargers. I think they're, they're the two who are going to get out of the AFC West and go to the playoffs. Do you think the Chargers have a legitimate shot to catch Kansas City? Uh, they must play one more time, yes? Yes. Let me see here. Let me see when they play. Uh, are they? Do they? Do Are we sure they play again? Yeah, they play Thursday, December 16th in L.A. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I think they might have a legitimate shot. I mean, obviously the, Raider, obviously the Chiefs are winning this week, uh, <laughs> given who they're playing. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying eight and four, seven and five. I think they have a legitimate shot. Again, it's the Chargers. You just never know. They're, I mean, you don't know any about anyone in this league because it's week to week. But the Chargers, look at how they looked yesterday. And they can come back and, well, I mean, you know, just like the Raiders beat in Kansas City this week, they can come back and lose to the Giants. I don't think they should or would because they're at home. But you just never know. And then the Chiefs, I'll tell you one thing about the Chargers. Listen to this. Versus the Giants, okay, they get the Chiefs at home. At the Texans versus the Broncos at the Raiders. I mean, yeah. that, if that doesn't tell you they should stay in it or have a really good chance to win it, uh, I, I don't know what does. Right. So, so both that, both the Chargers, a, that's a, both the Chargers and the Chiefs, they they play the rest of their divisional opponents. So they each have three divisional games left. The other two games that they play, like you just said, it's Giants Texans for the Chargers. It's Bengals Steelers for the Chiefs. Like that's yeah. a significant oh. edge to the Chargers yeah. in terms of stre- schedule the rest of the way. Absolutely. And they're on the road at Bengals. They're on the road at Chargers. Uh, you know, I mean, look what they did to the Broncos yesterday. Offensively, they weren't good, but they're at the Broncos. So Chargers have a much more desirable schedule down the stretch. And the other thing, I, Patrick Mahomes hasn't been that good. Like, no. he's huh? he's still a good quarterback, but he has not been Patrick Mahomes. And the idea that the Chiefs and Mahomes are uncatchable because of how good he is, it that that's not true this year. It it might turn, he might finish out the year and it'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. But the way Kansas City's playing, I mean, they the way the offense played last night, Denver could have beaten them. If Denver had any semblance of a quarterback last night, the Broncos have a legitimate chance to win that game. So it's certainly not the infallible Kansas City Chiefs that we saw the last couple of years and that we thought we were going to see coming into this season. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. All right, Ed, help me with this one. Utah State, they won the Mountain West title. <laughs> they blew out San Diego State 46-13 to in the title game. The punter wasn't enough. They did it with a first-year head coach after going 1-5 and five last season. How was there a turnaround so quickly in a Mountain West football program? I would – I. okay, I'm just going to share this with the audience. I'm pretty sure Ed just uh, disappeared. Oh, we lost Ed? Yeah. So I'm going to fix, try to fix that. So uh, could you vamp? Yeah, I got it. I'll answer my own question. You can turn a football program around, and it doesn't take 10 years to do Hello? it. Hello? Hey! hey! Hi, Ed. Oh, I'm telling you, man. 
Am I there? Yeah, yeah we, we made it to 8.07 before you dropped out. That That's oh, great to me. That, that was pretty good. Where are, where are we in the rundown? Because I had some, I had some breaking news for you. All right, go ahead. Go, bring us the breaking news. Jay Norvell, the Reno coach, is about to be hired as the Colorado State coach. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? That is strange. Well, I think he has Colorado State ties, right? I mean, that is a weird move for him. I thought he'd stay around for a Power 5 job. Is that a lateral move? So here's the yeah. interesting part. It's probably lateral in terms of how good each program is. Uh, right. But he is making $625,000 as the head coach um, of Nevada. At, at Reno? Uh, that is not very much. Even in the Mountain West, like Marcus Arroyo is making like $1.5 million over here. Like $625,000 is not enough. Steve Adazio, the guy Colorado State just fired, made $1.55 million this year. Oh, Colorado probably State probably not going for any less than that. Right. Colorado State is probably, at a minimum, doubling Jay Norvell's salary and might be tripling Jay Norvell's salary. Maybe add a million right. to Jay <laughs> So I like I don't really think Colorado State's significantly better than Nevada in the Mountain West. They're they're I mean they've been worse. They've been a worse program recently for sure, but they've certainly got some upside. They've got a new facility. But if you're telling a guy, hey, we're gonna double or even triple your salary, yeah, of course you're doing that. I'm just... I was ju- I was just going to say before you before you said that. He's got to go to Colorado State because of the facilities. Because I know how much that was going to excite you because he's now going to have facilities he can work with. Oh, brand new stadium. Yeah. How come all the, brand teams, new with, all the teams with brand new facilities in the Mountain West keep having bad seasons? What's happening? How about here? the Mountain West? Mountain West sends eight teams, a record eight teams to bowl games. We know which one didn't listen, among the three. Listen, it was just a tough, it was a tough schedule, Ed. You can't expect UNLV to compete yeah. with the schedule that's that tough. That was a tough one, baby. Next question. Iowa State beat Creighton 64-58 to in Omaha. TJ Otzelberger is 8-0. Iowa State ranked in the top 25. They now have three potential quad one wins, by the way. Like, they're 8-0, and they've won at Creighton and neutral site games against Memphis and Xavier. Now, Memphis has been dreadful this year, but as of now, there's still a potential quad one game. Like, Iowa State, not only 8-0, they've got some decent wins. They're in the Big 12. They go somewhere close to 500 in that conference, and Otzelberger's in the NCAA tournament. Did we lose that again? Ed? Moving on! (laughs) Great question. It is a great question. Did we lose Ed? I'm going to retry to reconnect to Ed. uh... Just just leave him out. We're almost done with this segment. We'll bring him back for the next one because we're going to do a giveaway after this. Alabama, here's the last topic of the front page. Alabama wide receiver John Mechie tore his ACL in the SEC title game. Uh, He led Alabama in catches with 96 this year at the second most receiving yards on the season. He was a potential first-round pick, maybe a day-two guy, but certainly a guy that was going to get drafted in the NFL draft. Torn ACL, we'll see what that changes for John Mechie and his career, and also for Alabama going into the playoff without one of their top two wide receivers. So 
interesting little change there for Alabama. You assume, because they do it every single year, they just continue to have great player after great player, especially now at the wide receiver position, that Alabama will be fine, but you lose one of your best receivers, one of the guys you rely on the most going into the playoffs. Not the best news for Alabama. All right. Hopefully we have Ed when we come back. But right now, you've got a shot to win a $50 gift certificate to Smoke and Pig Barbecue Company out at 4379 Las Vegas Boulevard. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's a really good barbecue restaurant. At the Wolf Oh, he's back. All right. Can you hear me? We can. I'm trying to give something away, so just just <laughs> calm down for a second. $50 to Smoke and Pig Barbecue Company can be yours right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number six at 702-364-1100. You'll get 50 bucks to Smoke and Pig Barbecue Company. Anderson right point. Tipped off of Hagen into the goal. It was a pass attempt towards the right goal line. It went off of Nick Hagen into the Vegas goal, and that's how Calgary breaks the goose egg. It'll be Lindholm. Helps the puck ahead. Mangiapane starts it out, and look out. Coglin falls over. Chance for Anderson. He's in. Hits the post. Loose under Leonard. He covers. Lifted in the air by Petrangelo, and Hobson skips through center, but Shillington cuts it off. Back at the Calgary line. Back in they go. Control to the left of the shot. They score. Mangiapane. And it's a one-goal game with 2.41 to play in the third. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Congratulations to Michael. He won 50 bucks to Smoke and Pig Barbecue Company. Coming up later in the show, we're going to have tickets to a Golden Knights game to give away and coming up later this week we're going to give you a chance to go see disney on ice uh, and get you in to win a potential 55 inch 4k smart tv so that should be coming up later in the week golden knights tickets coming up later in the show but the golden knights they got william carlson back they beat the calgary flames a team ahead of them in the pacific division are they back yet, or are we are we back to actually talking about the Golden Knights and actually having expectations for them? Oh, boy. We don't even have Ed back. Ed's on long-term IR. So we're trying to do this show. He's connected. With Ed on clean feed. I'm assuming, what, did he mute himself? No, because I remember can I, I, I can see muted. if he yeah, muted. Yeah. So we're trying to do the show with Ed on clean feed. Things are not going well. We breezed through the first hour. We didn't have a single issue in the first hour. And then since 8.07, I think we've gotten four words out of Ed on this show. So we were doing very well, and now we're not. But the Golden Knights beat the Calgary Flames last night. And here's, here's I think, one of the biggest takeaways from that. The Golden Knights were very good defensively last night. First two seasons or season and a half under Pete DeBoer. Golden Knights were top 12 in the NHL in terms of allowing expected goals and allowing high danger chances, right? They weren't like top of the league, but they were above average defensively in what they allowed. This season, they've allowed the second most high danger chances in the league. They've allowed the second most expected goals in the league. They've been a bad defensive team this year. Last night, the Golden Knights allowed five high danger chances to the Calgary Flames. Only two of them 
were at even strength. Calgary averages 12 per game. Like the Golden Knights defensively were excellent last night, and that's a big change from what we've seen pretty much the entirety of the season. And it's probably not a coincidence that it came in what's pretty much their first game in a long time, having their top two lines intact. Ed, are you there? What does this, uh, yeah. like, again, I, I, I heard you coming back in. I heard you coming back in um, defensively. And I'm sure you, you watched the game last night. Does this give you reason to believe that we're shortly going to see the team that everyone thought we would and that this will make a, they'll make a quick run to uh, compete here in the Pacific? We absolutely should see, you know, the team that we thought we were going to see. Like, they're right now... Right. They're two points behind Anaheim, and Anaheim's played one more game. I expect they will quickly catch and pass Anaheim. Edmonton and Calgary are, are pretty good. I mean, those two teams have been good this season, so I don't know that they're like – I think they'll quickly be sort of in the conversation with those three as, hey, these are the top three in the Pacific. They're battling for the top of the, the division. I don't know that they'll quickly pass either of those teams, but I do think we're, we're talking about – you know, the same expectations we had at the beginning of the year. We're talking about, hey, the Golden Knights are a Stanley Cup contender. And sure, Alec Martinez is still out. They don't have Jack Eichel, who they traded for, right? They still are not 100% healthy, but it's hockey, and you might never be 100% healthy. But they, they have enough now, especially when you have your top two lines intact. They have enough now that our expectation should be, yeah, catch Anaheim, dispatch of Anaheim. They should not be an issue anymore. And then run down Edmonton, run down Calgary, and at least make that a conversation towards the end of this season of, hey, are you winning the division or not? I think those those expectations are back now that the top two lines are both 100% back. And, and doesn't this make Eichel's return even more, I guess, exciting for them? Well, Eichel's return now at this point means they'd have to move somebody. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because, of the, because of the cap. I get that. But I mean, if it, with everyone back, this is this is what everyone thought. Obviously, when they got Eichel, everyone would be back healthy, and you just plug him in and be even better. And I think as these guys return more and more, you start thinking that way. You're right, though. Um, that's going to be the interesting part. What do they do if they bring him back even earlier than expected? Right? I mean, people yeah. are saying, well, if you just bring him for the playoffs, it won't matter because the cap doesn't matter. But if he's been skating for three weeks, as people say, two to three weeks, not no contact yet, man. I'm thinking it might be sooner than later if if they decide to do that. Yeah, so the interesting part on Jack Eichel is if you could bring Jack Eichel back and not have to move anybody else off the team, the team would be loaded. I mean, you'd be talking about yeah. the top six right now, which should be a really good top six in the NHL, and then you're adding Jack Eichel, who might be better than all of those players. So yes. you'd be either talking about Jack Eichel and you'd put him on a line with Dodonov and or Janmark and say, yeah, make those guys great. Or you're putting him on the top line and moving Stevenson. Now, whatever the situation is, however Pete DeWar breaks it down, the third line gets better when Jack Eichel returns. But depending on what they need to do against the salary cap, do they have to move out Riley Smith? Do they have to move a significant piece out to make Eichel fit? Makes it fascinating because it is less significant if you bring Eichel back, but you have to lose a Riley Smith because of it, right? Like it's, right. it still helps. You're still making that change every time, but it's not as beneficial. It's not as helpful 
if you have to dump one of your current good players to bring Jack Eichel in. So it's it's fascinating because we've gotten back to this point where, okay, this team is basically healthy at this point, and to get Jack Eichel on the roster, something has to happen. Well, how much do you think um... – I mean, how difficult a choice is it now with Riley Smith obviously playing pretty well in a contract year? I mean, has he overplayed the sense that he was the easy choice to move? I mean, it depends on what the uh, what the priorities are. I mean, Riley Smith carries pretty significant value for this year's team and this year's chance to win the Stanley Cup. Riley Smith has no future value for you, though, because he's a free agent no. at the end of the year, whereas everybody else, Patch Reddy's only got another, only has one extra year on there, but, like, Carlson's got four or five years. Marsh show has right. got two more years. Like, everybody else has some future value, whereas Riley Smith is, you know, probably not on this team next year, uh, whether they trade him at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline or not. So it really depends on your priority, because if you're trying to win the Stanley Cup this year and that's what you care about, you probably want to keep Riley Smith. Like you probably want yeah. that guy around and you'd probably. Rather... So if you do that, yeah. or if you do that, you know, the roster and I goes back earlier. I mean, you, you can't do that. You've got, you've got to meet right. some people. Right. And so it becomes, you know, like, and again, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't know if anybody is maybe the golden Knights capologist is a hundred percent sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure how much money they're going to have to move to bring Jack Eichel back. That's the part that I'm a little unsure of like cap friendly right now says that they're using $9 million in long-term IR, which would imply to bring Jack Eichel back. They're going to have to clear $9 million in salary to bring him back. If they got to clear 9 million, Riley Smith doesn't even do that. But if, you know, if it's only four or 5 million, well, Riley Smith does that. Maybe there's a chance it's only like 2 million and you could do Braden McNabb or something like that. I, uh, again, I don't know the actual answer, but that's what's fascinating about it is it's kind of salivating to look at the way they played last night, look at the roster they have and say, ooh, they're going to add Jack Eichel to this. Like that is like, oh, good God, this team's winning the Stanley Cup. Yes, exactly. But you can't just really add Jack Eichel to what the current roster is and be legal unless you wait until the regular season ends and you do it can, in the postseason can you keep long-term ir on there and adam or like today could they adam and just keep martinez and all these guys on long-term ir because well, they're or are they counting against the cap alec martinez is not on long-term ir so his, okay. his but if you had guys on long-term IR, right which, so you know, yeah good. so like alec martinez is making five something this year so he's not on long-term IR. so his his contract is still counting against the uh, salary cap if they moved him to long-term IR, then yes, that would in a way create some more space. And same for okay. um, Nolan Patrick, who's out. But Nolan, Nolan Patrick, Patrick is, he doesn't make. He's, he's outstanding now. Yeah, but he only makes like a, a million bucks or something right. like that. So he's not making a ton of money at this point. So he wouldn't be a big factor there. But yeah, it's, listen, the way they played last night, the expectations of the preseason are back. It is fascinating to see what they do in terms of getting Jack Eichel in here because this is a Stanley Cup contender, and there's a chance a guy that's never played for them is the best player on the team. Like depending yeah. on how he comes Can you back, imagine that, right? Like that's that's a legitimate <laughs> possibility. But how do they make it work? When is he able to come back? There's a lot of question marks there. Coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. Happy Hanukkah. Are the Golden Knights in a playoff spot? 
Joining us now is Ryan Wallace. You can hear him on the VGK Insider Show. And as Jared and Ryan concocted a couple of years ago, instead of worrying about Thanksgiving as to when teams are guaranteed a playoff spot, we do the end of Hanukkah. And today is the last day of Hanukkah, which means today uh, tomorrow is when it's official. Who's ever in the playoffs is in the playoffs. And Ryan, I believe... Because the Golden Knights have more regulation wins than anybody else that could catch them, the Golden Knights are guaranteed to be in a playoff spot when Hanukkah ends tonight. Like, Colorado and Dallas could both win and catch them in points, but neither of them can pass them in uh, in regulation wins, which would be the tiebreaker. So the Golden Knights, they're in the playoffs. It's done. Regular season is officially meaningless. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, you'd fast forward to the playoffs right now. Well, I mean, listen, there's there's a lot to like about an 82-game regular season. Um, there's a lot of, of teams that you want to see, a lot of young players that are are fun and exciting to watch. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you could tell me right now that there isn't going to be too much change in terms of which teams are or aren't going to make the playoffs um, – Personally, yeah, I would fast forward to the playoffs because that's when that's when hockey's at its best, and, and that's really uh, the pinnacle of the sport. So, yes, I, I absolutely would. Ryan, did you watch last night and think about who's also coming and saying, okay, and I know there's still a couple guys away, but it, did you watch last night and say, okay, this is as close to preseason as people thought, and if this team is this team with someone coming that we know that it's back to being a Stanley Cup contender? Yeah, I mean, I watched last night's game with, you know, the Golden Knights having essentially the top six that they wanted to have coming into the year and an improved bottom six that I felt had really good, strong shifts. Um, this, for the first time this year, looked like a team that should go on a run, right? Like, we saw the Golden Knights go on a run, uh, but it was really just kind of piecemealing together a lineup and finding ways to win. Uh this lineup last night looks like a lineup that can go on a, on a bit of a tear and expect to win most nights because they were balanced, they were deep, and they were very good. What did you make of William Carlson's return? How did he look to you? I thought he was fantastic. Uh, I, I know he was a, a minus one on the night. and I know that he didn't factor in on the scoring, but there were at least five or six passes that were unbelievable plays that he made to Marcia so and Smith, um, you know, 15 minutes of ice time. We hasn't necessarily been on the ice very much coming off COVID protocol and a broken leg. Um, I thought he was absolutely a beast last night and, and really kind of was in the spot he needed to be, was able to make plays to bail out some of his teammates. Uh, he's, he's so good and, and does so many little things, and he was on full display last night. To, to that point, I'm interested in what you have to say here, uh, and most of them are back. Who did they miss the most? Ooh, um, yeah, it's a, I mean, that's a tough one. Uh, I, I mean, you miss Carlson's defensive responsibility. Uh, for me, over the last three weeks or so, I've been imploring uh, for the Golden Knights to play better defensively. I've been, I've been looking at the numbers, just how many high-danger chances they're giving up, how loose they've been defensively in front of Robin Leonard. And what, what stands out to me is when you see William Carlson back in the lineup, uh, the Golden Knights allow just one high-danger chance to the Calgary Flames through the first 40 minutes of the game. I don't think that that's really a coincidence, right? Like, he is so good in, in all those facets and, and provides himself an outlet. The puck support was fantastic last night. Um, you miss Mark Stone because of all the things that he brings to the lineup. But for me, 
uh, when you're struggling defensively and the detail isn't in your game. I think William Carlson's kind of a guy that, that glues all those things together. So um, probably Carlson for the defensive side and Pacioretty and Stone for the offense. Uh, so I like Pacioretty's, uh, him coming back. I like that better to where just, yeah, we're still going to give up high danger chances, but I'm just going to shoot it 45 times every game and score. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's his skill set, right? Like, I, I love I love Pacioretty coming back in the lineup and not missing a beat. And it's interesting because both Carlson and Pacioretty had essentially the same injury. And both guys came back into the lineup, and it has been as if they didn't miss any time at all. Um, I'm not, you know, you, you got to tip your cap to the, to the rehabilitation that they did and the work that they put in to make sure that they were ready to go. But, yeah, I mean, Tyler, you're, you're going to always be attracted to goals, and I get that. That's important. <laughs> you need those um, to win, Pat- Ryan. Yeah, you do, but you also need pretty good defense, and you need to to work to Robin Leonard's strengths. And I think the Golden Knights did that last night, in large part to Carlson coming back and kind of setting things where they should be down the lineup. Uh, I want to ask you about something we talked about um, before you came on, and that's Riley Smith. Um, I think at the beginning of the year, or excuse me, not the beginning of the year, maybe even then, they said, okay, contract year. If they have someone to move, it's going to move him at the deadline. And then when they got Eichel, people really said they were going to move him at the deadline. Has he overplayed that? Has he outplayed that sense that it's just the easy decision? If Eichel does come back, he's already skating for three weeks. He might come back sooner, that this is the guy you have to move? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of that. I, I think that what Riley Smith brings to the table is is really important for this club. He's been you know, in, in the absence of Stone and Pacioretty and then without Carlson. Like, Riley Smith was kind of the engine that made everything go. It was him and Jonathan Marcheseau. So, so, like, I, I don't. I don't want to say that that's the, the thing that makes the most sense, but you know when you look at the contract, expiring contract, you see that there's value for other teams in a player like Riley Smith. You, you think maybe that's the deal, that's the move you make in order to free up uh, you know, Cap. But I, I, I think the way that he's playing this year and what he's been able to do, I, I don't know that the Golden Knights are better if, if you move on from Riley Smith. And, and you know, for me, you have to try to find a way to integrate Jack Eichel without fundamentally changing too much of your team. It might, it's a tall task. I don't know if it's even possible, but for me right now, Riley Smith would not be the player that I'd look to move out first. Um, off the Golden Knights for a second, can you explain to me what's happening in Vancouver? Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're cleaning house, which it probably should have happened um, like if you if you like actually want to do impact the season, like you wanted to try to change things and, and maybe make the playoffs, probably should have done it like two three weeks ago. Um, but I, I mean, the reality is Jim Benning built a, a bad hockey club. Travis Green tried to coach a bad hockey club, and uh, when you have uh, a bad roster and a coach that's trying to maximize it can't, someone's got to be the scapegoat. It ends up being both Travis Green and Jim Benning, and right now the the. Vancouver Canucks are going to turn to Bruce Boudreaux, who is a phenomenal regular season coach, and he's a, a player. He's a coach that can get the most out of the players that he has by putting in a system that will work. Um, however, it's now up to the Vancouver Canucks and Francisco Aquilini to find a new general manager and essentially an entire hockey operations staff in the middle of the season before the trade deadline hits next year. Ryan Wallace, the Insider Show, with us. Um, Reset. Yeah, there you go. So let me ask you another thing. Do you <laughs> do you agree with the Flyers firing Elaine Vigneault this morning? 
Yeah, I mean, they got trounced 7-1 last night, and it was a game where I think the players had to show they were they were playing for their coach still. Um, so you do the math on that one. I, I, with with Vigneault, like, I, I think that there's kind of a, a an initial bump in results that you, he will get you when you hire him. And then it's the law of diminishing returns, and, and this is just kind of something that naturally ran its course. And I'll be interested to see what direction the Flyers go with a, a full-time uh, uh replacement for Vigneault. I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's surprising or not, but Robin Leonard last night says he turned down the Olympic bid because he and his uh, doctors feel it's best that he stay home. So I said that and, uh, you know, uh, kind of bummed that uh, we won't see him in the Olympics. Um, not necessarily surprised, but I, I'm not, I'm not bummed uh, in, in the sense that, so like, I mean, obviously as, as a fan of hockey, I'll be watching the Olympics, uh, for sure. But that being said, if you're looking at this through the lens of the Golden Knights, which is how I, I tend to look at everything, um, this is best-case scenario for Vegas because you have an ability to, to maybe uh, you know, play Robin a bit more here in the lead-up to that break and then really give him a chance to reset and rest over the course of those three weeks so that he comes back fresh and healthy. It's essentially getting... Um, you know, uh, an extended period of time in which you could just kind of get away from hockey for a little bit, and I think that's going to be best in the long run for this team and their chances uh, come playoff time. Uh, will Pete DeBoer actually swim over to China to go to the Olympics? I think he would if he had to. Like, he won't have to, but I think he would if he had to. Wouldn't that be more fun if we just, hey, you guys got to swim. Whoever gets there gets to coach all the teams. Yeah, I mean, the the problem with that is, like, you would probably get there by the time the Olympics are done. We'll start now. But the, who, who would coach the team? Derek, Derek England's undefeated and is one time coaching an AHL team. It'll be fine. Wow. What? You've seen I got nothing. Like, there's, no, there's nothing to say to that. I, I got nothing there. You've seen his commercials. It's all good. Yeah. Ryan, we had one goal last night where a guy fell down, and then we almost had another where a player fell down. Could you say that uh, the Golden Knights' defense is better when they're on their skates? Uh, yeah, uh, typically. Um, it's, it's, not ideal to, it's, it's not ideal to blow a tire and allow a uh, breakaway. Uh, but, you know, for, for, for that play to devolve the way that it did, it's pretty pretty astounding that Dylan Coughlin was able to get back into play and make the save on the goal line. So, um, yeah, it, it was an adventure, and sometimes that's fun in hockey. He just had to fall down so he could make a great play and save the day. Set the fire and then put it out yourself. That's Dylan Coughlin. Um, he's Ryan Wallace. You can hear him on the VGK Insider Show. Also, pre-post and intermission for Golden Knights games over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. All right, thanks, guys. Thank right, you. Here we go. We got a four-pack of tickets to Disney on Ice, and you will be in to win the grand prize, which is a 55-inch 4K smart TV that we will be giving out later this month. But right now, a four-pack of tickets to go see Disney on Ice Plus in to win a 55-inch 4K smart TV. Caller number 11 at 702-364-1100. 364-1100. Caller number 11 is going to Disney on Ice. Minshew takes the snap. He backs up. He looks. He is looping in, catching in. Goddard in for a second touchdown. Made it look easy.
You know, you're pretty fired up coming off the field. I saw you maybe sign somebody's poster. Uh, how cool was it, the acceptance and you know, all the fans being out there for it? Hell yeah, man. It's awesome, dude. We got uh, we got great fans here. You know, every time every time we travel, man, they show up and show out. So, man, that's been, it's been a lot of fun getting to know that and having the reception we had today. It was awesome. You know, by the second half, felt like a pretty good home game there. You said you joked around on, on the fourth down sneak uh, because you said you got there because you're so strong. Is, is yeah, that- dude. Um, I mean, that's why we're short shorts. I mean, them legs, bro, like, phew. Felt it right there. Um, no, nah, it's just always fun. Um, we've got a great group of guys, uh, guys that I love uh, competing with. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Congratulations to Corey. He won the four-pack of tickets to go to Disney on ice. Coming up next hour, we've got some tickets to go watch the Golden Knights play. Congratulations, Jared. Gardner Minshew, back as a starting quarterback. You are Gardner Minshew fan number one, and he won a game. He was, what, 20 of 25, 242 yards, two touchdowns. So I was buying a bunch of uh, Christmas presents for people, and I was like, oh, man, I'm short. I need to get this up to free shipping. Minshew. You're now looking at the proud owner of a Jacksonville Jaguars Minshew jersey. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh boy! Jared, How much was will, it? Jared, will Tyler $14. get this reference at all? Will Tyler get this reference at all? Coming back with Gardner Minshew, that that was Jeff Spicoli. We talked about this guy, didn't we? Yes. Which one was Spicoli? <laughs> what team did he play for, Tyler? No, he was an actor. Ah, okay, all right. No, no, uh, Spicoli was on some show from like the '80s that I don't remember what the actual topic was or the Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, he's in a movie? Yeah. He, oh. No, he's a character in the movie. He's not, that's not his real name. His real name is Sean Penn. Yeah, the actor is Sean Penn. Oscar winner <laughs> Sean Penn <laughs> played a character named Spicoli. And frankly, since this is wasting my time and your time, it's wasting our time. Nah, yes, it's fine. True. But it's Gardner Minshew. He doesn't waste anybody's time. He is genuinely... I. I do not understand why they have Jalen Hurts talk to the media, even if he is starting. <laughs> Jalen Hurts threw four touchdown passes. Gardner will address the media. Yeah, dude. Did you see that one? That one was great. It would be significantly better. I guarantee everybody in Philadelphia would probably enjoy it more if they got to quote Gardner Minshew after every game instead of Jalen Hurts. Backup quarterback set up Hurts' third <laughs> touchdown. Dude, I totally didn't believe it. And that would be the exact quote from Gardner Minshew. And now here's the fun part. The Eagles are 6-7. and seven. It's the NFC. The Eagles are certainly not out of the playoff picture. Actually, if the Raiders had beaten Washington yesterday, I think the Eagles would still be in a playoff spot today. Yep. Um, so six and seven, not too far away. Jalen Hurts is not exactly a good NFL quarterback. Um, you can argue they go on by this coming up week, I believe. You could argue that they should turn it over to Gardner Minshew. Let him turn it loose and see if he can take him to the playoffs. Did you see the uh, the embrace with the father afterwards, Jared? You must have seen that. I thought that was Jared and not actually Gardner <laughs> Minshew's I thought dad. That, I thought that was Jared instead of <laughs> Minshew. Like, hug I mean, boy, the, the 30 hugs with the high five and the bro the bro hugs and everything. That was that, I it, thought that was pretty cool, actually. Is it is it 
one of the things that makes me, and uh, we're going to talk about my fantasy team really quickly. Jalen Hurts, Hurts or Rodgers, it's been a theme of the show. Friggin' Hurts is out, and I'm like, oh, then I'm picking up Gardner Minshew. My opponent this week picked him up and didn't start him. It's good fantasy football by your opponent. That oh, is that's great a play. Nice strategy. No, yeah. that's just being a dick. Yeah, it's, it's fine. That's that's a great play. Because guess what, Jared? I did start Gardner <laughs> Minshew in fantasy football. How many points did he get? Like twenty something. Nice. It was, it was a decent day from Gardner Minshew. Like he was he was solid. Like because I was in the same situation as you. I have Jalen Hurts and. I could have started Taysom Hill, but he played on Thursday. And so when Jalen Hurts is out, it was Gardner Minshew or Taylor Heineke were the best two options. So Hey, Taylor Heineke outdueled Derek Carr. With that kind of backdoor move, I thought that was I thought you're playing Bishop in fantasy this week. And he said, Okay, Jared's about to pick this guy up. I'm gonna take him instead and just sit him. I would have done that. That's a great move. It's one of my favorite moves is when you pick up the other guy's like potential backup option. It's a great move. I love that. Whoever that guy is that did that to you, he's my favorite. I hope he wins your league. <laughs> really? Yeah, is, this, is this the league you're already in the playoffs? Yes. Yes, I hope he wins. But it's a, you're in a two-week playoff league, right? Yes, and yeah. hopefully I get – watch next week. I'm going to have Rodgers and Hurts back, and whichever one I bench – Well, Hurts we'll be... is, is on a bye next week, so. All right, well, then it's Rodgers or play him. Mac Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Ask, ask Jeff Erickson that on Thursday. Yes, please, please ask him <laughs> all that right, on Thursday. I will. Listen, for all we know, Mac Jones is about to throw for five touchdowns tonight against yeah. Buffalo, and it'll be and a legitimate question. Be the best AFC team next tomorrow. They yes. Be the best AFC team. You'll, we'll feel good about it. For if the, if the Patriots yes. win tonight, we will yes. finally feel good about claiming a team as the best in the AFC. If the Bills win oh. tonight, we have no idea. No, but if they win, I'll say they are. <laughs> It doesn't matter really how they win. I will say they are the best team in the AFC. It doesn't matter. The winner of tonight's game is the best in the AFC. Uh, And yeah, can you really argue against it? Probably not.